Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's me, Matthew, co-host of Cult of Personality here, as well as Beyond the Panel, Tuesdays at 5.30 on UMFM 101.5, where we're talking comics every week. I want to talk to you today about something that's been on my mind lately, and, you know, in light of recent events, I think it's something that a lot of people have been thinking about. Has Alec Baldwin ever released a bad project? Like, think of a time where you saw him in something and you said that was bad. When you see Alec, even Boss Baby was good. <laughs> uh, I implore you to watch Boss Baby. That is a f- that is la creme de la creme. His filmography has its own Wikipedia page. Like, look at this: Hunt for Red October. Beetlejuice. Who's in Beetlejuice? Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. We're talking. Uh, I don't know these ones. Keep going. Notting Hill. I think that's good. I'm sure Pearl most of Harbor. These are bad. <laughs> Cats and Dogs. He was in the Final Fantasy Spirits Within movie. Royal Tenenbaums. Cat in the Hat. <laughs> Look. There you go. Cat in the Hat. Here's the thing with Cat in the Hat. Like the movie is shitty. And I'd like I'd like to do a review on Kandahar because I think it's an interesting film, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people say it's shitty, but is it really? Because you have to think like they, you're a director and you're giving Kandahar as a project. Like you're gonna do like a straight face Kandahar live action thing where like Cat is like a like what do you no. I you guess you would just do like a regular two D animation. No, you would just make like a dumb movie that's just like. Can the has swearing and he's beating up children like that's that's they did what what they had to do to make that. I don't film. know if they had to do that. What else would you? How would you do it? Just have it as a kids movie. No, because like okay, have Mike Myers in that costume be like not a joke. No, I'm saying you don't have to have it as live action. No, but this well obviously that's not that's out of the hands of the directors and the writers. The studio obviously one of them said you're doing live action cat in the hat. Yeah, I guess like I guess they did the best that they could do then. Cuz like otherwise you're I mean name like a live action animal like like that kind of movie with like an animal character cats. That's good. I oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh I don't know. The Grinch is bad. You don't like you don't like the uh, Jim Carrey Grinch. I'm the authority on this film because I've probably seen it like f- close to a hundred times, honestly. And how? I would like my brother would watch it every day. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And we did that for like four years, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I guess we're watching this again." Uh, that movie sucks. Okay. It's got some funny gags though, and uh, you know it's the same thing. You, it's like the directors on those projects are are saying like "fuck you" because they just put like jokes where like the taxi will r- go past the Grinch and will say, "Is it because I'm green?" Right. And then like, they're like, "We're not even gonna bother with making like a a wholesome." Doesn't he do like pseudo swears too? Yeah, and ugh, he does so much inappropriate shit in that movie. Yeah. Like, he's like. He's like he's making this guy make out with his dog, mm-hmm. and he's like he's like looking. He's like he's kind of a pervert. Yeah, I can't I can't remember specific things, but I remember there were just like pseudo inappropriate things that he does. He kind of just tries to kill Cindy Lou Who by wrapping her up and then throwing her into the, and this is a present crusher thing. Yes, uh, and it's just funny like that, and that's just a way to do it because otherwise. You know, just I don't know. You're gonna get like some Pete Pete's Dragon bullshit, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's that's what I had to say. So Alec Baldwin, uh, I had watch. Please watch Boss Baby. Luke has not had the opportunity because he refuses to see it. That is a good movie. I would watch Boss Baby again. <laughs> don't laugh. Why are you laughing? I don't know. I was just linking up a funny joke. That I heard the other day. Share it. Mm-hmm. What? Share it. I can't, it's one of those memories that it's in your head and it's off. And Well, you were laughing hard. I know. I laughed so hard it knocked the Jesus out of me and I forgot it already. 
Okay, well, let us know when you remember. Okay, okay, I'll try. All right. Now, unfortunately, we're not talking about Alex Baldwin today. No. We're, we're talking uh, We're talking about another film. Mm-hmm. Well, Alex Baldwin's not a film, but <laughs> I digress. We're talking about a little Kevin Smith project. Is this his first movie? Um, Like directing? Yeah, or writing. Um, let me check on the fly here. Because I actually don't know. In we have a yeah, we, we have a supercomputer that has all the movie information. Mm-hmm. We bought it from it. NASA. Yeah, it's on loan <laughs> uh, until uh, until the our space force takes <laughs> takes off. Uh, yeah, it's his first film, and it's a cult film, which is why we're reviewing it on the cult show. On the cult show. It's an independent. I'm not gonna read that. It's an. It's it's a black. It's a it's a comedy film. Yeah. Um. It's kind of like a. It's kind of like a stoner movie, I guess. Yeah. It is a stoner movie. Because, I mean, there's guys selling weed, and I guess smoking weed. Inappropriate jokes. Stoner movies are kind of esoteric to me. You just kind of know when you see it. The stoner is like, it's like it's it's. <laughs> Like it's lazy filmmaking. I because like the Big Lebowski to me is the Thinking Man stoner movie. That's yes because well I, the thing with the stoner movies that like nothing hap quote unquote happens mm-hmm. and it's just like two guys going like huh uh well I love uh I love In- Indica I love <laughs> I love Indica and this other guy's like oh yeah you see the Star Wars. <laughs> And uh, you know what? Maybe Pulp Fiction's a stoner movie too. Another thinking man stoner movie. It, it's a stoner movie, I suppose, and it follows two clerks. One who, uh, as he repeats throughout the movie, is not supposed to be there. A man named Dante Hicks, and he runs the convenience. Well, he doesn't run the convenience store. He's an employee of the convenience store. Mm-hmm. And his buddy, who works at the video shop next door, Randall Graves, uh, who is spends most of his time with the video shop closed mm-hmm. and just hanging out with Dante and talking. Mm-hmm. It's one of those movies, like, to break it down to very sense, it's one of those movies where it's characters shooting the shit for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like, two sets in this, which is the front of the video store and then the inside of the convenience store. Yeah, and the inside of the video store as well. Yeah, and there's, like, yeah, and, the in, like, the in like this front portion of the inside of the video store and I guess the roof of the convenience store. Which are stores that Kevin Smith actually worked at. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of... Uh, that's kind of cool that he got permission. I guess that's probably the best way to do it because you would kind of have f- familiarity with mm-hmm. with the environment and, and the type of clientele that would pass by there. Um, and it's... Uh, yeah, it's a movie. It's a movie. What did you think about this movie? We just jumping in? Yeah. I mean, okay, there's nothing really else to say. This movie has... Like, the like, plot is really just shoot. Like you said, it's just... Like, like yeah, stuff happens, like, v- in vaguely sequential order, but, like, it's really inconsequential. I, you know, I don't think people watch Clerks for the plot, which is barely there. It's basically Dante comes in on his day off, and he's pissed about it, and then he kind of has a shitty day, uh, and some stuff happens. So I'm going to say that I think... Well, you know I didn't like this movie because I kept talking throughout the whole <laughs> fucking thing to the point where you kicked me out because I was talking too damn yeah, much. Yeah, you know, it was sometimes it gets a little much, and like I gotta when if you guys want the best reviews from me, I gotta watch these movies. I gotta I gotta watch I gotta hear the movie. I can't listen to Lucas. I think this movie um, is completely. Oh, what is a word? Now it's going to escape me, just like that joke I was laughing at earlier. Um, there was no joke. You were just laughing because oh. I said The Boss Baby was a good movie. The Boss Baby where was I, a good movie. Okay, what is, geez, what is a word where something is... Oh, they think it's more. they're more artistic than they actually are? Yeah, pretentious? Yeah, I think this movie's pretentious. Wow. And yeah, and I don't say that about a whole lot of movies, but Lucas I, is not mincing words today. I think this movie's pretentious. I think it's really fucking boring. Okay. And as soon as we f- are done with this review, I'm going to forget about this movie. Well, okay. I think that this movie is 
I'm sure it hits home to people who think that they're as cool as these characters are when all they do is wear Nirvana graphic tees and smoke some sativa after their day of wage slaving. Okay? This movie's boring as fuck. And I am just going to leave it at that for now. Well, okay. You know, I, I, I think I liked it a little bit more than you did. Um, it's it's a kind of idiosyncratic film. It's one of those things where when I look at the critical reception for this, I'm kind of baffled because I can't believe this many people liked it. Like, it has, like, some 87 on Rotten Tomatoes. So most, like, 9 out of 10 reviewers were like, this is good. Roger Ebert gave it some 3.5 out of 4 stars or something like that. It's surprising to me that this many people like the film because it feels like this is very specific comedy for a very specific type of person. Yeah. Um, am I that type of person? Uh, probably not. I I mean, good comedy, I guess, can appeal to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some instances, because this movie is, is kind of one note in terms of comedy, there's, yeah. there's like really two types of jokes here. There's like s- jokes about sex. sex. Yep. And like, haha, sex, haha, come, haha, peep, peep. boob, sex, come, haha, hermaphrodite. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you know, everyone, everyone has says some sex jokes every once in a while, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then, and then there's some like clever, like it's almost like skits stuff, where it 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 gives me like this, uh, <laughs> it's who's on first kind of deal, where mm-hmm. it's like. This is the type of thing where all you need is two people and conversation happening, mm-hmm. and he can do this in any like he can do this in theater scenario. It's like uh, it's like I don't know. It's it it for some reason it made me think of like Abbott and Costello, okay, sort of deal. And I like those jokes, um, like when the old man keeps coming back to the counter because he needs more stuff for his bath and break, mm-hmm. or. Like when it just cuts to Dante helping this guy get his hand out of a Pringles can. Mm-hmm. Some of that stuff is pretty charming, and it's like yeah, it's like a haha, like classic, get, almost almost dad jokey. Yeah, I'm gonna give it one more credit though, and I'm gonna say that there's also a third type of comedy, and that's a sight gags. Yeah, they do have sight gags, and that. those are good. That one of my favorite things is like, and probably the, the most relatable. Thing because, like, I think if anyone watched a movie like Office Space, everyone would find it relatable. Yeah, whereas this movie, I don't really get that. The only thing that was really relatable to me is that they have this sign outside of the store that Dante works at that says, I, yes, I assure you, we're open. And then people come in, they're like, Are you still open? Yeah, it's like, Yep, there's a sign out there. Like and every that happens to everyone who works anywhere. People come in, the door's unlocked, the open sign is on. Are you open? Like yeah. Yep, that's why you just walked in the store. We're open. Can I help you? <laughs> like yeah, there's some stuff like that. Like he's 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 a convenience store clerk, and I mean everyone's worked like that kind of job where you just have a lot of people come in, say dumbass things, mm-hmm. you sell them some things, and they leave. Mm-hmm. So it is relatable in that sense. Not as relatable as Office Space, I think, because th- yeah, Kevin Smith is really. I'm I'm sure this was an intimate project to Kevin Smith because I'm sure this was uh, a very sort of uh, insight into sort of his where he grew up or where he lived, mm-hmm. like the type the of c- pe- culture there. Yeah, it's like which I'm assuming is like low middle class like new like low middle class atlantic america like new jersey new york yeah uh like youth culture yeah very specific and yeah it is very specific and i mean it's in theory it should resonate with us because we're the we're about these guys' ages dante in the film's 22 so high school is like five years ago high school was like three years ago for us Mm mm-hmm so like we're in that range, but th- it it's it wasn't relatable to me. I don't know. Like, and if of course a film's characters and scenarios don't have to be relatable for a movie to be good, you know. Like, you don't watch westerns and think about how relatable this is to to you. Yeah, but this char- this movie is about characters. Yeah, and I th- I think some of the appeal of this movie is is sort of the insight into the sort of demographics, lifestyle, and 
and uh and just the kind of day-to-day minutia that would happen mm-hmm. in new jersey wherever the small town in new jersey um is it the worst movie ever made no. no no is it the best movie ever made no no second best movie ever made no third mm, pushing it fourth maybe okay uh, i i don't know if you mentioned it at the beginning but this movie and one of the thing reasons i think this movie's pretentious is this movie is in black and white yeah um you know what i i haven't looked into why i'm sure kevin smith has some specific reason why he did it in black and white mm-hmm. uh but i'll agree that well and i have an argument for it what and it's so we've watched a few black and white movies for the show now and all of them have been purposely black and white. Yeah, so Night of the Living Dead, Eraserhead, I believe. Are the and Ed other. Wood. And Ed Wood. So Ed Wood, of course, is meant to evoke that era of Hollywood's films where not everything is in black and white. Yep. And Night of the Living Dead was kind of like a throwback to that period. Yeah. And then Eraserhead, that was just an artistic choice by Mr. Lynch. Because the movie is dark in tone and he uses black and white artistically just to make shots very nice. Yeah. And this movie, there's I and maybe you can argue me on this. I don't there's no reason for this movie to be in black and white. It adds nothing and just seems as deep as when people would put the sepia tint on their Instagram posts. It's like I I think the reason that this film is in black and white is because it's meant to be sort of like documentation almost of of this of this like we said demographic mm-hmm. it's like a day in the life sort of deal so i think that's the reason of course because I, I i agree i mean kevin smith isn't pulling out these you know these shots with 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 like amazing lighting or anything like that i mean most of it is in the uh convenience store which just has fluorescent lighting and there isn't any you know, you're not going to see this posted on Reddit or whatever with a shot from Clerks, mm-hmm. you know. But I think that I like to think that he give it I I think of the film and I think would I like have liked this as much as color? Maybe in not. Maybe I wouldn't have liked it as much if it were in color. I don't like it's not so much like I want color because it will make the movie look nice or, or anything like that. I just feel like the thought of making him black and white is shallow that's fair because i mean it's it's hard to see right off the bat why why you would do that yeah so i suppose uh and one more thing is that this movie is like broken up into many chapters and they start each chapter off with just a screenshot of a word and that gets so fucking annoying and he keeps doing it all the time that it it just makes me think that he thinks that it's really deep what he's doing. And I have no, this is just my feelings, and that's really what criticisms are, but he does it so much that it just becomes really pretentious to me. Well, it's interesting that uh, that we get broke, we get these little title segments because, once again, that makes me, that's why, again, I sort of thought of Abby Costello in the sort of sketch comedy format Mm -hmm. because there's like, there's like set jokes there's like like haha randall uh spit at a customer and then we're gonna talk about that Mm -hmm. why did he do that and then it's like a customer came in with for a recommendation and randall's like flipping them the bird basically so i understand i understand why he broke it into that and it makes sense because you can see a lot of inspiration from like the sketch comedy thing i also found it kind of grating uh mainly because um, they weren't particularly clever. No. Uh, I would have liked to see, maybe if I watch it again, knowing the gags and foresight, it would be better. Yeah, because this was our first time watching it for the both of us. Yeah, but it was, yeah, I agree. I would agree that it could, it could have been done without or it could have been lessened yeah. or it could have been done better. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I think in that regard, it does fall flat. And that is a like a f- relatively big portion of the movie. And I get, and I think that, I mean, I think that idea works better in black and white than it does in color. Mm-hmm. 
So if he were to do it in color, he would have to take that out. Yeah. I don't know if that's for better or for worse, but mm-hmm. yeah. What do you think about the acting? The the I wanted to talk about that. The acting's not great. Mm-hmm. Now, this is an independent project. I don't know how much experience these actors have. Obviously, none of them are big. This was probably their like first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the acting from some characters better than others. If we're talking about the two basically leads here, which is Dante and Randall, um, Dante's okay. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have much range. He's just kind of pissed off all the he's time. He's either pissed or apathetic. Yeah, and then you have Randall, and he's just cracking jokes, and he's also kind of apathetic. Mm-hmm. And this is a co- maybe this is commentary, <laughs> the apathetic nature of all these characters. Maybe. Uh, and then you get like a couple of Dante's girlfriends. Some of the customers are well done. Yeah. Uh, like I like, <laughs> I like the guy who just sits sits on the floor looking at eggs, trying to find <laughs> the perfect dozen. Like he puts one in his mouth. It's stupid, but it's funny. Yeah. In a stupid way, uh, or even like when <laughs> there's this one customer that me and Luke like, which is this guy, and he's wearing like a sweat sports sweatshirt, and he comes in. <laughs> to buy something from Dante and he says, Hey, you're looking pretty out of shape, buddy. And then he's like, what are you talking about? There's no fat on me. And he's like, yeah, no tone either. (laughs) And then this other girl comes and he's like, Hey, doesn't this guy look out of shape? And she's like, yeah, kinda. And then they just start ribbing him. And then he says to the girl, Hey, you want to go to the beach? And she's like, sure. And then they leave. That guy is a, (laughs) that guy is a King. You know, he is. So, and like, there's like, there's like little characters like that where like, even if the acting is not particularly well done, it's the the conceit of the character or this or the writing for that character is good enough mm-hmm. where I fully enjoy like that little skit, that little block of comedy or portion of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, for like the more from like the major like Jay and Silent Bob, like uh, Silent Kevin Smith doesn't say much in this movie, but he still kind of sucks. <laughs> and maybe this is because I I don't really like Kevin Smith that much, but he kind of just stands there like trying to look cool. Uh, and doesn't say anything, but he just looks like uh, kind of a fat loser. <laughs> I, and I'm sorry to Kevin Smith, but... Uh, if he's listening. And then he's got his buddy Jason, who's like sometimes... Like, his introduction is like is so strange. Yeah. He's like... He's like... Uh, He's like manic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I can't explain it. He's like talking about sucking dick, and then he's like, "That's so homo," <laughs> or something like that. And I was like, "What is happening?" Maybe this was just me, but I didn't even realize that they were drug dealers. Like way later in the movie. Well, because these guys, because remember, they were like there. There was a few of the guys, other guys talking with them, and they're like, "You guys are selling dope in front of our building." You don't remember that? No. Yeah, they're drug dealers. Okay, that's that's my bad then. They're just slinging dope on in front of the store. Uh, so Jay has a, an, a, t- a kind of weird and awkward introduction. Then he has some funny stuff after that. Like I guess his last appearance when he does it smell like dope in here. People are toking up in the studio. Christ, on a Sunday. Holy shit! You're right. You know what? Uh, Fitting. Not the first time. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, so you know what? I didn't know. Is if your I was microphone th- fucked? It's a little fucked. Don't worry. No, don't worry. Oh, is it just broken? Like the the little things are kind of fucked. Yeah. Oh. Um. Yeah. It's not. Well, that's. The, I don't know if I should say this, but that's not the first time. Well, I guess it's no. legal, so it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. No, that's not the first time we smelled a little reefer in here. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> anyways, uh, they were drug dealers. Silent Bob, you didn't like. Silent Bob, I didn't like because his. I, okay, guys, y- you know the classic gag where a character says nothing, and then at the end they say something, and it's really insightful, and you're like, whoa, that's uh, not really that funny. I I was gonna say I'll bring it up now. I'm not gonna play the clip, but if you've ever seen play the, the movie clip, Good Burger, yeah, play the whole clip. Well, just like that, just that part here. I, I, I most people have seen Good Burger. Bur- Good Burger. I haven't, but there's the scene at the end when you know the aftermaths come in, and let's see Kenan and Kel. Uh, so this, if, for those who haven't seen it, there's, it's a buddy movie, just like Clerks is, 
and the 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 one guy is an idiot throughout the whole movie like <laughs> welcome to good burger home of the good burger <laughs> uh and then he's stupid throughout the whole movie and then we get the end and yeah here it is this is like a preteen stoner movie yeah pretty much As you can tell by the character's voice, he's very much meant to be stupid. Mm-hmm. And then he says a smart thing after. Now, bit of an immature choice, I think, on Kevin Smith's part. Yeah. And there's a lot of this film. Uh, uh, a, a big thing about this film is that you really get this. It's very juvenile. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with juvenile films. There's great juvenile films. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know. I mean, like a film like... Uh, Step Brothers, for example, it, that's kind of the big point is that the characters are juvenile. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, the characters are just like kind of juvenile, but the humor is juvenile. It's fine. I mean, I don't mind those kind of movies, but like you have to wonder how old Kevin Smith was this, uh, how old Kevin Smith was when he was doing this. Mm-hmm. So, what was a proto Trailer Park Boys movie? One Last Ride. Yeah, it was one last shot. One last shot. That's about as deep as Clerks is to me. Oh, I like, but I like, I like one last shot way better. Where it's just black and white for no reason, and it, it's both two wages hating wageism. One last shot is I, I like that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, like I think one last shot is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, this is comparatively comparatively not as good. Mm. Uh, but it's all maybe because it's like three times as long too. Yeah. And also, you know what? The Kevin Smith and his buddies just don't, they don't have the charm of Ricky and Julian. Yeah. You know? And Mr. Leahy, come on. Yeah, he was, his character was named Mr. Leahy in One Last Shot. And I forget what Ricky and Julian's characters' names were, but it was something like, whatever, Timmy and Bob. Something else. But they just had a good dynamic coming. And it was a good decision from them to to film that movie and say, we're going to keep these three core characters going into this new project we're doing. Because that is an interesting dynamic, and that's why that sh- series endured for so long, and why people like that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, comparatively, like Dante and Rand don't really have a great dynamic. Dante's just like, "Oh, Randall, uh, don't you know? D- don't scare off the customers. <laughs> don't punch the customer in the face and and, <laughs> and th- spit in in his uh, face, man." And then Randall's like, "What? I'm just watching hermaphrodite porn on the TV, man. Just uh, cool it, bro. Uh, yeah, it's no big deal." And that's basically the gist of their characters. Uh, Randall does stupid, inappropriate, or rude thing. And Dante goes, Randall, d- come on, man. I'm trying not to get fired, man. <laughs> what, are you, like, what, are you, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Going back to the acting, it really bothered me. And I said this quite a few times when we were watching it. I apologize for talking so much when we were watching this. But the acting in this movie... And I'm going to pin this one on the director because it's his fault for keeping that and saying, that was a good take. We're going to keep that. Um, Characters in this movie just talk one after the other. Like, they're reciting lines. Holy shit. Yeah, you're right. Yes, you're totally right. It reminded me of when I was in theater class in high school, and we would just, like, repeat lines, like, without even a pause of thinking. Like, there's no fluidity to it. There's, yeah, it's like they don't even have the time to process the conversation that's taking place. They're just immediately regurgitating lines like feedback. Uh, and it is it does give you, like, it really takes you out of the movie because, like, this is just two guys reciting lines. Yeah, and I have a clip pulled up here just so you can get a taste of it. And then I wanted to just compare it to another classic and good example of, like, fluid dialogue. Okay. So, okay. 
Now, the first one was completed and fully operational before the Rebels destroyed it. Luke blew it up. Give credit where credit's due. And the second one was still being built when they blew it up. Compliments of Lando Calrissian. Something just never sat right with me that second time around. I could never put my finger on it, but something just wasn't right. And you figured it out. The first Death Star was manned by the Imperial Army. The only people... Okay, so I, maybe that's just me, but the lines just... A rapid fire, and like, and one of the things that bothered me about that is like, who says that when they're talking about Star Wars? Compliments <laughs> of Lando Calrissian, like, what? If somebody said that to me and we were talking about Star Wars, I would give them the look. I would give them that look, <laughs> and be like, <laughs> "Yeah, okay, buddy." Anyways, <laughs> and like, and what does he say? What does he say before that? Even uh, here. Like they're 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 talking to us like we're stupid people who've never seen Star Wars before. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, Lando blew up. Like really? It's just it's I don't I don't understand. They're not even uh, complimenting Nyub Nyub on that one. We we're gonna have a Nyub Nyub episode and uh, it's gonna be racially tinged. <laughs> so get ready for it because that one is gonna be a wallop. Okay. Okay. Now here's just a good example of just fluid dialogue. Kind of a normie pick for an example of good dialogue. But anyways, you can see how there's pauses in between things that they're even saying, pause little pauses between replies. And clerks like it's just so distracting. It's just so apparent that they're just reciting lines. Yeah, and you know what? I'm. I wonder. If the thing with this movie is, I wonder how much of the appeal of the appeal in this film is sort of reveling in this av- amateurish nature of the filmmaking. I thought about that too, because a lot of the film is very obviously done. It's like a student film, basically. Mm-hmm. And like a, it's like a student film that I would watch in film class, and I'd be like, eh, "That was kind of funny," and then I would probably it would probably get a B plus or something. Um, and it's, and it's, I'm tr- really trying to figure out if this resonates with people on a serious comedic level, or if it's more of just the novelty of seeing a sort of unpolished but still relatively well written film mm-hmm. in action that made it such a cult pick. Yeah, it reminded me again of, I don't know if you've ever seen this, this was the Napoleon Dynamite um, movie that, I forget the director's name, but he made in film school, and would, and then he later made the fully fleshed Napoleon Dynamite, also in black and white, also very amateurish, and it, it just reminded me of that too. I don't know if you've... You've ever seen that? Maybe student films are required to do black and white. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, if you put thus in your essays. Yeah, and it kind of and it kind of gives you a galaxy brain feel, you yeah. know. Well, I mean, and Eraserhead was a straight up student film, like full student yes. film. And and then, well, Night of the Living Dead was not a student no. film, but I don't know. Maybe I, maybe that's just a tradition in student filmmaking that I'm not aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, as our descriptions show, we're non-film graduates. <laughs> Uh, but we still know more than you. <laughs> <laughs> now, honestly, as an overall package, I mean, the and the other thing with this film is that it's just, it, it's it's really simple in the breakdown of if you find this funny, you'll like it. If you don't find the lines that funny, you probably won't like it because there is not a lot, a whole lot else going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. If you're the type of person that likes... Uh, the the more relaxed toner comedy in which people just speak as they do, you might find some appeal in this. But given the like unnatural way that dialogue is presented, mm-hmm. you might have some trouble enjoying it as much as say like a Big Lebowski, which is like expertly done mm-hmm. in com- in contrast to this film. Mm-hmm. So. It's it really hinges on how how much of it you find funny because there's like the characters aren't particularly you're not gonna get invested in a Randall's story mm-hmm. or in Dante's story about which of his girlfriends he should cheat on. And that's a like that's a thing that I wanted to talk about just before we wrapped up was Dante's character arc in this story hinges on two things. One is his romantic life, and the other is 
Randall brought it up earlier, his inability to say no to things and that he's kind of a pushover. And to me, none of them fully get resolved or they kind of get resolved in a half-assed way. Oh, not at all. And I think that's I think that's almost deliberate in the sense that you ha- you show this guy having problems, but, the, you know, Randall, Dante's not going to come out of this film a better person. He really doesn't. The movie just ends at the end of the work day and then they move on. But I think that's kind of the that's sort of the uh, for lack of a better term vibe that the movie wants to go for Mm. which is like nothing ever changes yeah like just and like i said the documentation aspect where it's just a day in the life of these people Mm. and you know and in in a day of the life that would there for most people is in a thematic arc in terms of character development you'd probably just go to bed the same person you woke up right that's fair that's that's how i see it and I and, and that's why I'm okay with it, especially because a film like this, if it attempted to do like a serious character art, like nobody's gonna care. Like you're you're here for the jokes, right? True, yeah. You're not here because you care about Dante, uh, who is who is still simping for his ex girlfriend. She's so unattractive. And then she comes back, and then he's like, "Yeah, we'll get back together." And then she has sex with a dead guy, which is not really that funny. Nope. Yeah. Like, uh, if that was real, she'd probably be traumatized and disgusted. Yeah, it's, um... Yeah. And what also isn't funny is Dante f- freaking out that his girlfriend has had oral sex with multiple men before him. I think that's an icon- iconic part of the movie, because if you look this up on, like, YouTube, you get the 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 classic clip 37 dicks it's like honestly it's just kind of uncomfortable for me to watch it's basically yeah basically they're discussing sexual partners and donna's like oh i've been with like 12 girls and his girlfriend's like i've been with like four guys and then they they talk more and he's like how many guys have you oh and then a guy comes in and she describes a lurid sex act it's disgusting yeah uh i'm not even gonna say it snowballing Snowball and, and and she's like, oh yeah, I did that to that guy. And she's like, uh, he's like, oh, I thought you only had sex with four guys. And she's like, yeah, well, I blew like thirty-seven guys. Thirty-six, thirty-seven, including Dante. And he's like, what? You sucked all those dicks? I'm gonna kill you! Oh my god! Yeah, it wasn't. It's not fun to, uh, to watch. And then we just see him freaking out his girlfriend for sucking penis. Yeah, and then. That comes back a few times, and that's basically that character is... The the punchline was good, because it made me laugh real hard when he's, like, trying to suck a dick on the way to your car. Yeah, that was kind of funny. It's just, like... And I feel like we watched a movie, and there was... Oh, yeah, there was a movie with a similar situation. It was Office Space. And it was kind of like when in Office Space, um, he was so pissed yeah. that his wife slept or that his girlfriend slept with Lumberg mm-hmm. or he thought she did. Mm-hmm. And I remember you were kind of like annoyed at that too. It's yeah. like, it's just like that weird thing where the male character has like this insecurity or hangups about his girlfriend's uh, sexual past. Maybe that's sympathetic for some people and they're like, in- and they're also insecure, but ho- I don't care. Holy shit. Yeah, I don't know. I that probably is like a relic. Like I feel like you wouldn't get away with that as much in this movie. People would be like, maybe yeah, it's a '90s thing. Yeah, people would say that's uh, slut shaming if yeah. that came out now, yeah. twenty years later, because Off Space came out like five years after this. Mm-hmm. So that's something that perhaps has not aged well. I mean, I I mean, I kind of agree. Like, like I get I get the point of the joke there, which is like she doesn't see oral sex as intimate at all. Mm-hmm. So her having a lot of oral sex, whereas he thinks it's intimate and and that sort of juxtaposition or whatever. But like, really, it's it goes on way too long. Mm -hmm. And and you just kind of and Dante just kind of comes off as a dick for it, especially because his girlfriend is nice. Yeah. uh, In the movie. Um, So it's that's a that's something that uh, they got to cut out of Clerks (laughs) three, which apparently is in development. Oh, boy. So TBA, can't wait for that. That one's gonna be a big. That one's gonna be. I could see a billion for that one. Yeah, a billion dollars. Yeah, for Tri- a qu- a gorillion. Uh, <laughs> a gorillion dollars for for Clerks Three, starring Kevin Smith, 
they'll probably get like Mark Hamill to show up and be like, "Hey, I'm." Uh, <laughs> oh, probably because he's a big Star Wars fan. Yeah, he's one of those all-purpose geek characters that uh, smokes weed. He's cool and like sci-fi. That twenty-eight-year-old sheltered men like to idolize. <laughs> I don't really see the appeal in a man who's, you know, I mean, if you're a grown man and you're tuning into a show called Fat Man on Batman, I mean, you just kind of get to give your head a shake. Like, you got to think about the direction you're going. Like, Mm -hmm. is this the life you want to choose? There, I want to give credit to this movie quickly of things that I liked. I'm going to rapid fire them. I like there's one shot of Jay and Silent Bob and they're outside and Jay starts dancing and it's probably the prettiest shot of the whole movie. There's nice contrast. It looks good. Matt said, is this the eraser head shot of this movie? Yeah, because actually it looks good. Uh, There are quite a few jokes that actually land all the sight gags land for me. There's this one joke. I mean, it's obviously really easy, but it still made me laugh where this lady is coming up with her toddler um, child. And she was like, I want to rent this Scrappy-Doo movie for my daughter. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to order on the phone right now. Yes, like that's the sort of like Abbott and ca- like the, or just the sketch comedy thing where like if you guys, I mean, my brush with sketch comedy is, is not, it's just like the Disney Channel shit I would watch when I was a kid. Like yeah. what was that one show called uh, with like, um, I can't remember. It was just a sketch show on YTV or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like you just have like uh, the video store clerk saying porn movie names. And obviously they wouldn't say that on YTV or whatever. But in like in, in Saturday Night Live or something. Yeah. They would have that type of gag. So re- uh, Kevin Smith obviously is probably a fan of those shows. And he wanted to fit that sort of style of writing and joke telling in the movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like the movie would almost be better served i that's why i think the animated series might be better than the film is because yeah. it's not bogged down by like this pretense of having a story you can just have the characters make the joke and then next scene and then joke and mm-hmm. then see you next week that kind of deal mm-hmm. yeah yeah there the lady says can you ra- rent this scrappy do movie for my daughter he's like okay i'll just rent it right now i have some other things to rent as well calls whatever head office and he just starts listing just the most egregious porn titles of all time. He's like, yeah, I'll take cock and come volume uh, yeah. two. And there's and like, there's one sequence where he, like every title has come in it. He's like, come downstairs, like come sluts, uh, dick come, uh, come blasters. And like, it's, it's funny. And it's almost like, that's almost a moment of self-awareness. Like Kevin Smith knows how dirty the movie is. Yeah. Uh, and that, that is one of the great gags of the film. And, he, and he's like, oh yeah, what's that movie you wanted? <laughs> it's classic. There's, there's good stuff like that in the film. I'll agree. Um, uh, the pacing for like having one, mo- cause a movie just centers around one day. The pacing for a movie centered around one day, not bad. Um, a lot of the side characters are real good and that's it the soundtrack is okay soundtrack it's like, yeah it's like three metal songs and Matt said I bet Kevin Smith thought that these songs were real cool <laughs> it's like it's like uh, it's very like 90s like grunge like thrash metal yeah where it's like oh, la 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 and it's like okay like i'm sure kevin smith uh i'm sure that was all the rage at his local uh vinyl shop in 1994 new jersey but unfortunately that doesn't hold up bob maybe next time go with the beatles okay play a fool on the hill yeah okay nice try but uh, maybe get better luck next. Uh, you know, better luck in Clerks uh, th- <laughs> three, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's oh one small little thing because I just like noticing these things. Um, his what was his girlfriend's name? Which one? Well, because the other Kate Caitlin. So I guess we didn't really explain it. I'll just quickly explain it. He Dante has a girlfriend in this movie. He's very nice to him. Veronica. Veronica, okay. And then there's this he reads in the paper that this girl, Caitlin, is getting married to an Asian uh, designer. Design student. major, yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. He calls like the newspaper place and he's like, Is this a typo? 
and they're like no how would it be a typho and he's like i don't know maybe like there's someone in the studio who has a vengeance against caitlin and maybe he just wrote this story to like spite her or something and it's kind of funny that it ends up like she's not getting married like you think of dante coping hard yeah but then it's funny because she's like yeah i'm actually not getting married it is kind of like a a, a misprint in this in a way mm-hmm. and then caitlin eventually comes back and then he just like becomes a slave for her and then he's like oh my god i get to go on a date with her and he's so giddy about cheating on veronica and then Silent Bob comes in at the end and he's like, your girlfriend does nice things for you. And then he's like, oh my God, you're right. I love my girlfriend. And that's the arc there. It's a good time. What were we talking about before? Oh yeah, Veronica comes in and brings him a lasagna. And I I think that tray was empty. I don't think there was a lasagna in it. You know when there's just like... Hey. You know when there's just Uncanny Valley things in movies where you just know a prop is fake? I can't explain it, but just like how he lifts the lasagna tray and like there's nothing in that tray. Like it's in empty. Mommy Dearest when he's, when she's spanking her, yeah. but you're like, that's not a child. That's, that's Yeah. That's a an object and that's what bothers me a lot about marvel movie is is like the weight is so off like when hulk jumps <laughs> or he didn't moves mean, he didn't mean that it guys. looks really bad and hey, i think in 20 hey, years hey. when we go back and look at the Whoa. movies we'll say wow that looks really bad hey. like we're doing with avatar right now mm. and they're just kind of you know they're just kind of like going to an amusement park and uh, they're not act- and it just kind of really bothers me yeah you know i'm going to have to disagree there i think the marvel movies are all fantastic great fun for the whole family Barrel bob iger stepped down for some apparent reason yeah for no apparent reason sir you know what they know what's best for the company and as long as they put out great quality product like the marvel films and the new star wars films and the pixar films and National Geographic and Fox and, films and the Disney animated studio films and the Fox films and a few other things then you know we're going to be good for the next few years when it comes to movies cuz those are prestige pictures those <laughs> are really endure yeah in the public consciousness they will for sure mhm so i just i was just kind of confused when you were like you know, you're saying bad things about Marvel movies. Last prop for the movie, uh, I like that they showed it out the best Star Wars movie, which was The Empire Nobody Strikes cares. Back. And that's it. Nobody cares. I think this movie's amateur. I think it may be a little pretentious. Uh, if someone asked me to watch this again, I would say maybe if I had uh, a joint the size of Kevin Smith's ego, I would want to... <laughs> maybe if a girl I really liked asked me to watch it, I'd be like, <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, and the otherwise I would be like, oh. if if next time I'm with friends and they're like, hey, let's watch Clerks, I'd be like, well, maybe not. Maybe. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I just don't agree. I'm going to have to sort of disagree, disagree with you there. It's just really kind of crappy, and I don't think it's a very good film. Now, if you had to give it bags. Five out of ten. Five out of ten bags, that's fair. Yeah. Well, I guess I didn't really like it that much more than you. I liked it about the same. I give it two bags out of five. Okay. Uh, it's definitely. Look, is it worth watching? If you're a fan of film, I would just watch this just to get out of the way, so you can say I've seen Clerks, and you can understand. I guess some films that have been influenced by Clerks, you, you might not enjoy. You might like. I mean, it's, people seem to like it a lot better than we do. Yeah. Uh, and critically, it's acclaimed, and that's the first time that's kind of happened. Actually, no, Office Space. I also gave a lower review. Yeah, and Ed Wood too. Yeah, yeah. No, I think those films. Does but I still it... liked them. Yeah, I liked them. Um, like Office Space and Ed Wood, especially, I liked a lot. And Office Space was not perfect, but it was good. Good. I could see like if you're watching it on a week and you go, hey, this is a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. Clerks is like, oh, I'll pass. Yeah, two bags out of five. Well, in other news, um, shall we play uh, the Vin Diesel Bloodshot trailer? N- no, not for today, but maybe another day. Uh, our Who Killed Captain Alex is shipped. Nice. Yeah. So uh, you know, get ready for uh, re-review. 
re-review. We're going to review the bonus features. The dude who played Forlom, I DM'd Forlom the Bounty Hunter in The Empire Strikes Back. He's a very nice guy. Um, I don't know. That's all I got. That's it. Uh, there is a secret. There is a potential interview, celebrity interview that may be happening in May. I'll say that. Yeah, big tease. Yeah. Also, what's happening in May? We're going to a screening of the room. So I don't know if there's. But anyways. Well, you're, now you're misleading people. You I, know what? Here's what's gonna happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You're getting okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Next week. Reanimator. Do you have a movie you want to do after that? Uh, let's see the list again that I told you that you should have on hand at all times. Right. Do you have it? No. I wrote on my hand the other day, Phil and film when I was at work. Phil was to send a fan mail letter to Phil uh, Tippett or Tippett. I don't know how you'd say his name, who did um, some of the effects in Star Wars. He designed the Rancor. He did the Tauntauns. Uh, I just wanted to send him some fan mail. And film was to email um, my email, the list, a movie, so we'd have it on hand. And you can guess which one I did and which one I didn't do. All right. I know what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate the release of Sonic the Hedgehog. And we're going to be reviewing Super Mario Bros. The movie. The cult classic. You know, we both, you know, me and Luke, we both grew up with Nintendo. This one's near and dear to us. We will be watching the Super Mario Bros. film. Good Christ. Fi- good film. Do we have to? Yes, and we have to be sober. Uh, you're not going to be. I'm not. You're gonna <laughs> I'm, be doing, I'm going to be inebriated watching this you're, movie. You're not going to smoke any fucking drugs to get through this movie. You're going to enjoy it. Oh, we. How many years ago did we watch this together? We watched this, I want to say, like two years ago. It was not two years ago. Well, we watched it in Anthony's basement. Yeah, in high school. Oh, shit. And you had to and you had to go early. I should Dane was there. Yeah. And Keaton. Hey, probably like three years ago. Were we, when did we graduate? 2017. What year is it? Okay. 2020. Yeah, maybe three years ago. About three years ago. Yeah. Give or take like six months. Uh, that was a good time. Uh, what was the quote that the lead for this movie said? Oh, he Bob Hoskins, RIP, he passed recently. <laughs> who has been in good stuff. Um, he The quotes uh, that he... The way he's talked about this film is like my favorite way any actor has talked about a past project. Um, he, <laughs> if you look up Bob Hoskins Mario, you get revenge. The stench of it stays with everybody. That's what Bob Hoskins said about this film. Uh, let's see what else it is. Uh, I remember this of quote. He's just talking about it. He's like, it's fucking garbage. And the. This went on for 45 minutes. The producers were looking at their watches. Rocky and Annabelle were looking at each other like, what the fuck can we do? <laughs> the actors were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is better than the movie. Finally, they say, let's go to lunch. Turns out it's another two hours of Dennis uh, Hopper screaming at the directors and producers <laughs> about the state of movie making. He got 300 extras waiting for the next scene. Um, I forgot Dennis Hopper is <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, and he's he's pretty good as, as King Koopa. As Bowser. Dennis Hopper of Apocalypse Now and the Mario Bros movie. Hey, it's Mario Mario and Luigi Mario, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Hey, uh, last name's a Mario, yeah? Hey, it's me. It's- wait, can I see this? Woohoo, yippee! <laughs> I just want to find it real quick. If I can find the specific quote I'm talking about. If, ah, fuck, if Bob Hoskins didn't die, we could have done Smash cinematic universe by having these guys come back they're like the vets you get Sonic in there you get Pikachu it was a fucking nightmare the whole experience was a nightmare I had a husband and wife team directing whose arrogance had been mistaken for talent after so many weeks their own agent told them to get off the set fucking nightmare fucking idiots see what we mean oh that wasn't part of the quote to see what we mean but yeah fucking nightmare fucking idiots (laughs) (laughs) 
Jesus, his hatred for this movie put him into the grave. Oh my god. I want to see what I don't think John Leguizamo has said anything bad about this. Oh shit, he was in Land of the Dead. I was trying to think of his name the other day while I was at work. Yeah, he's also uh Sid the Sloth from Ice Age. Yeah. And he's also in that uh stupid Romeo and Juliet movie. Um and he's also in Spawn. And he's also in John Wick. Oh, he's in Chef. Yes. I hope Chef qualifies as a cult film. <laughs> you know what? We're doing it. We're doing Chef. No. <laughs> Where John Favreau is two of the most beautiful women in Hollywood. Be that movie is so good. Like, <laughs> Chef is so good. You got John Favreau with, with two of the most beautiful women in Hollywood as his side chicks <laughs> that he balances between. You got that classic grilled cheese scene where he takes like he makes like an artisanal grilled cheese sandwich for his dumbass kid who plays Nintendo on his 3DS. And he's I, like, it's, "It's called a meme, Dad." It's molten, okay? <laughs> you fucking idiot! <laughs> you do, It's not undercooked. It's molten. You kumquat. It's classic. Oh my god! Every scene in that movie is so good. Chef, it's like one of the best. <laughs> yeah, put the scene on. Put the scene on. To talk to this prick for a long time. Okay. I am not cloying. I am not needy. I don't care what you think. You're not getting to me. I'm not needy. Chocolate lava cake is not just undercooked chocolate cake. That's not what makes the center molten. You take a frozen cylinder of ganache and you set it in the ramekin so that as the outside cooks fully, the inside becomes molten. Okay. Okay. It's fucking molten. See? It's fucking molten, you asshole. And you don't do anything. What do you do? You sit and you eat and you vomit those words back to make people laugh. You know how hard I work for this shit? One thing I don't like about this film and then also Ratatouille, and, you know, this is not going to sound good coming from my position right now, Mm -hmm. our position, but, like, this assault on the critic yeah, it's 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 distasteful to me. It is. And I can see an artist's frustration of course, with the critic, obviously, you know. Most artists, when I've read about, like, how they perceive criticism, they're always fine. Like, they seem to be fine with it. And then you get these guys coming up. Like, and I, I don't see, like, Ratatouille. The, you know, the moral of that film is not an indictment of criticism or critics. Mm-hmm. But when you have the critic guy roll over and be like, huh, critics just uh, sit and type words. And artists, <laughs> they're the gods of the world. They They give us life. It's it's a bit much. Yeah, a bit cr- much. I would say criticism is an art, as important as the people who m- are making the art that they critique. Yeah, I don't know. I like, and if you can't take criticism for your art, like really, like, I'd like to think one day I'll put out a piece of art that people will criticize or look at mm-hmm. at some point. Um, and I'd hope that they don't all say it's really good and nobody says anything else because that'll be bullshit. Yeah, and I I also really dislike when people criticize things and there are there are artists that i know who when they've heard their work getting criticized they always say you just don't get it fuck the haters man it's like no we we, out here hustling we we get it we just aren't liking what we're getting we're trying to eat trying to put food in our kids mouths and you come in here hating bro also dustin hoffman was so disappointing in this movie oh yeah he well what has he been good in the last 10 years he gave up (laughs) He's like uh, the propos- Jesus Christ, my Jesus, bad. Man. He's like uh he's like Harrison Ford being in the movie with an animated dog. Yeah, like uh, Dustin Hoffman, he's been in some great stuff. He's in Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. He's in As Rat, so. He's in that good I like that Death of the Salesman ad- adaptation Me too. with uh with John Malkovich as Biff. Not Biff Tannen. Biff Loman. I'm just going to end this episode on my favorite scene here. From Good Burger? From Good Burger. Uh, sorry. Um, let's see if I can find it here. Put on the, put, put, leave it, end it with the scene of Clerks 2. <laughs> of Clerks 2? <laughs> yeah. If that's what you want, go ahead. What is this scene? This is the end, the end scene. Oh, let's just do it. Uh, that's it. See you next week for Reanimator. <coughs> Get excited. Take care.
Smoking weed, smoking weed, doing coke, drinking beers. Pack her ass, my good man. Time to kick back, drink some beers, and smoke some weed. Done poisoning the youth for today, huh? Hells yes, whatever that means. Now it's time to head over to Atlantic, drink some beers, get ripped, and hopefully get laid. 179. Paid a good man. Yeah, you close soon? In a half an hour. Yeah, we get off at the same time every day. You should hang out. You get high? I should start. Want to come to this party with me tonight? There's going to be some pussy there, man. With you? I don't think so. Oh, look at you. I don't hang out with drug dealers. Nothing personal. Yeah, what happened with that old guy? He died in the bathroom. Well, I heard he was jerking off or something. I don't know. I wasn't watching. Yeah, he probably saw a cannon chick. I know I felt like beating him when I saw her. Oh, come here, bitch. You like this, huh? Huh? What you want, huh? Hey, hey, knock it off. That used to be my girlfriend, all right? I used to go out with her. Yeah, well, I thought we might be starting again. Don't you already have a girlfriend? Yeah, Veronica. And what, you gonna dump her for that can chick? Maybe. I don't know, dude, that can chick's nice, but I see that Veronica girl doing shit for you all the time. I saw her rubbing your back, fucking come brings your food. Then I see her change your tire once. Hey, you know, I jacked up the car. All she did was unloosen the nuts and put the tire on. I don't know, she does a lot for you. She's my girlfriend. I had some girlfriends, too, but all they wanted from me was reading shit. Shit, my grandma used to say, what's better, fucking a good play with nothing on it? No, wait, I fucked up. What's a good play with nothing on it? Meaning? Oh, no, she was seeing all that shit. She used to fucking piss herself all the time and shit herself. Come on, soundball, let's get the fuck out of this fucking jib joint with this fucking faggot Dante, you cock smoker. You know, there's a million fine-looking women in the world, dude, but they don't all bring you lasagna at work. Most of them just cheat on you. Come on, man.